Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 11th of February 2011. I always suggest at the start of the show that newcomers look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com where you can help yourself to hundreds of audios for download and hopefully I'll help to piece together this big system in which you live, this big matrix system uh, where perceptions are distorted and turned 180 degrees, how psycholinguistics is used, how massive foundations with hundreds and hundreds of think tanks working with non-governmental organizations run your world and plan the future. They know exactly where they're going with it, and you've been really conditioned your whole life towards it, whether you know it or not. So are your parents, in fact. But it's getting more uh, obvious today for those in the know who, who are awake, and there's not too many, unfortunately, who are completely awake to all of this. So help yourself to the audios, and remember, too, you're the audience that bring me to you. So you can support me by buying the books and discs I have for sale at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Uh, you can use a personal check to order from the U.S. to Canada. You can also use an international postal money order from the U.S. to Canada or send cash, or use PayPal. Use the donation button you'll see on the com site and followed up by an email with the name, address, and the order, and I'll get it out to you. Across the world, you can use Western Union for uh, fast wire transfer. You can also use MoneyGram, which I think wires as well, but they give you the option of sending a check, which you can post. It's far cheaper. Some people just send cash, and again, PayPal, just send the donation, and follow it with an email, your name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you as fast as I can. Now, on this particular program, it's a hard word to use as program. I don't want to program you. That's, how, that's why they call them radio programs. You get programmed, same with television, too. And it's not a show because it's not show business that I'm doing here. Uh, it's really educational. Uh, on this particular talk, though, uh, and all the talks, I try to piece together how the system really is working all together, all signs work together, really, in the dialectical game that's put out there. And they use deception. They must always get the compliance of the public. You must get them on board with every part of the agenda. And um, across the whole world now we're getting uh, the supposed color revolutions where people suddenly uh, decide they want something called democracy. And I hope once they get it, they can come back over to our countries and show us how it's done. Because we've never had it ourselves. But the mainstream media are all on board with it. The same mainstream media that keep you in the dark about all the big things that are happening to you and who never uh, have a, a cry out when we're getting massively taxed or raped and, and pillaged by the banks or your own governments. You know, the media is very quiet on these topics, but suddenly they, they're your friend. And you're all forgetting that with this Egyptian thing that's going on over there. You're all forgetting it. You're getting caught up in this fervor, this youth-generated fervor, uh, that somehow something wonderful is happening to the Egyptians 
and it takes your your mind off what's happening at home as uh, rations are being cut, even fuel rations in the States now, to the elderly in some places, thanks to Obama. But that's little print in the newspapers as opposed to the, the big stories of someone else's supposed happiness as more puppet regimes are installed in place across the world. And that's really what's, what's happening in, in Egypt. It was time for the old fellow to go. He'd served them well, and he will leave eventually with lots of his loot. They always do that with the, their pals, and he'll live happily ever after, he and his family. And that's how it was done. They did the same thing a long time ago with Uganda, when Idi Amin uh, was forced out, and he left with, with millions and millions of pounds worth of uh, his loot with his family, and he got a beautiful place in California and somewhere else across the world too. So they're all pals with it, and it's time for them to go, and they know it. They're in for a particular amount of time. And as, as I say, it's, it's geopolitics, but there's more to it than that. And I'll, and I'll touch on this when I come back from this break. Hi folks, we're back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. And there's an old saying, you know, it says, fool me once, shame on you, and fool me twice, shame on me. And we should always remember that because when is the media going to be your friend? They're suddenly your friend and they're chewing for some poor downtrodden people somewhere across the planet. The same media that keeps it quiet when they're plundering those same countries and uh, and suddenly they're your friend. It's just astonishing how folk fall into it. We're given our arguments. We're given the topics even to talk about because technically we should be talking about nothing about what's, except what's happening back home where you're trying to get uh, back what your parents and grandparents fought to achieve in the first place. We've lost everything. I'm going to put up a, a video tonight and it shows you um, Brzezinski when he went over to Afghanistan to stir up the jihad, and I've, I've had this up before, this particular video. I'll put this up with another one and this article, and uh, you actually hear him talking to uh, what was the beginning of the Muslim Brotherhood, where he was stirring them to fight the Soviets who had gone into Afghanistan at that time. And so it's, it's good to know the, the players and things and who's behind it and what's happening to understand anything at all, and you've got to have some kind of memory, and you have to put two and two together for yourselves. Uh, this article here says, uh, Obama's calls for the resignation of Mubarak came as no surprise to anyone who's been watching this to any length at all. It's well worth going into who the players are in this attempted revolution. Last year, April 6, and Kefaya kicked off the rebellion and the Muslim Brotherhood is sustaining it. These are the trademark of Brzezinski Soros puppets that are used, always used to kick off these United Nations soft power revolutions. The non-governmental organizations, the student groups, and Leninist vanguards attached to Wall Street foundations, and that's a fact, folks, that's who runs the Leninist bunch. In this case, the Freedom House Foundation, the International Center on Nonviolent Conflict, and the International Crisis Group. And I've mentioned all these a few weeks ago because you find that Brzezinski and these boys happen to run all of them. It's the same MO as in all other color revolutions. For example, Tunisia, Iran, and the Ukraine. The coordinating factor here is International Crisis Group, a United Nations front staffed by people such as Brzezinski, George Soros, Wesley Clark, 
Solana, Shimon Perez, and of course El Baradi. This is the guy who was chosen to take over. That's the latter one. The motive here is to install a puppet Islamo-socialist regime similar to the ones in Iraq and Afghanistan. Baradi is the guy chosen to bring it in, and the Muslim Brotherhood will be its pillar for its sustaining force. The Muslim Brotherhood deserves a, a section of its own here. The MB, it's not men in black, it's the Muslim Brotherhood, has always been the prime British intelligence asset in the region, being instrumental during the Nasser affair. It's an incredibly important player in the entire Middle East, given the power of its influence networks. Its function has always been to take leadership over the Sunnah and get, and get an anti-Shia jihad going. This divide and rule game has helped keep the region in tension ever since World War II and has now been played out like never before. For NATO, these MB goals are the good radical Muslims. They're ardent Fabian socialists, and by the way, they are socialists uh, at their inner circle, and actually Marxists, a lot of them too, at their inner circle, and they're the ones who provided the manpower on the ground networks to set up the NATO protectorates of Kosovo, Albania, and Bosnia. The MB is also the breeding ground for characters like Ayman al-Zawahiri and many other organizers of Qaeda during the 1980s. There's no reason whatsoever to suppose their cooperation has somehow ended in the meantime. That cooperation was alive and well, remember, up until 2001, yet that subject is rarely, if ever, discussed on the mainstream. And that's true, too, because you're not supposed to know what's going on. The objective, it says, nothing here is happening by chance, The plans for North Africa and the Middle East are laid out in Brzezinski and Bernard Lewis's and the PNAC doctrine. The first stage was to create what Brzezinski called imperial mobilizations into the region to establish a permanent international military presence. That was accomplished with the Iraq and Afghanistan wars. At the same time, Brzezinski said in his book, The The Grand Chessboard, published in 1997, that imperial mobilization would come hand in hand with the setting up of a police state structure in the West. You think these guys don't know where they're going? The next stage, stage is to completely shred the region bit by bit, nation by nation. This will be done through these collectivist Islamo-socialist regimes that are meant to destroy traditional Muslim culture, and that's a fact. They must destroy the culture, create civil wars and even regional wars in the medium and long run. And that's true, too, because Brzezinski and Kissinger both said it would be, be better if we had factional wars going and civil wars after we've been in and we leave the, the country, what's left of the countries to them once we've bombed them out of existence. It would be good to, to keep going with civil wars for a long time. In the end, the whole area will have been deculturalized, wrecked, and broken up into many, many states, which will be uh, production hubs run by global agencies such as the IMF and the World Bank, and policed by international forces. In other words, the end of the nation-state and the coming of a neo-feudalist system run by international financiers using international agencies as their enforcement arms. This, of course, will not happen within a vacuum. During this period, many real terror and panic migrations will be exported into Europe and economic downturns caused by the restlessness in the Middle East, particularly in oil prices, will cause the Western economies to further collapse into a poverty to class status. These things will allow for the order out of chaos projection that was described in the 2006 Strategic Trends Report by British Military Intelligence. And I've got it on my website, that whole report. Um, as 90-odd pages, uh, go into the archives section, and also check it out later with the, the U.S. one, 
which they came out later in the year, as they're identical for the future planning. It says here, it's also the great transition that the United Nations and its many institutes harp on about the complete end of the nation-state and its replacement with global and regional management bodies. Now, what was the head of the European Union said recently? And I I read it from their own newspaper. He said it was the end of the nation-state, remember, folks. Constant crisis and conflict to allow for that transitional process, economic, social, cultural standardization of the entire globe. In the end, a few decades from now, these boys expect to achieve their system of global governance, whereby local populations will be ruled by continental authorities, who will in turn report to a worldwide body, a world state. It's just the old project of a world society, of scientific socialism and high-tech feudalism that was put forth by characters such as Hegel, Bentham, St. Simon and Lenin, and has now been carried out by monopoly capitalists. People have to go uh, keep wishing up the techniques being used and denouncing them for what they are. And ain't that a fact? So I'll put that link up tonight at cuttingthroughthematrix.com at the end. And you'll, as I say, you'll see Brzezinski on the video too, uh, stirring up the jihad and the Muslim Brotherhood to have a holy war. That's what he says. Yours is a holy war, as long as they were fighting the Soviets at that time. But that's the reality of it. I mean, you, people have to stop being fooled. Stop being fooled. Have you noticed too, the young women too, who, who are often the spokespeople for, for these groups over in Egypt are speaking perfect Oxford English? Hmm? Haven't you noticed things like, little hints like that? Hmm. Now, meanwhile, as, as opposed to we're supposed to cheering on so happy for folk getting democracy, as they call it, it says here, military help sought on the Canada-US border. And uh, from the CBC, with the U.S.-Canada border under sudden intense scrutiny in the U.S., a handful of American senators placed it under an ever harsher spotlight Thursday by asking for the military's help in patrolling the boundary. Now, I'll tell you right off the bat, you see, the U.S. were told pretty well nothing about this this, this integration of the U.S.-Canada border. But thanks to shows like this, the word got out. And so this is their counter to try to give a counter stance to con the public in the U.S. again, that they're actually, oh, they're more afraid of the Canadian border than you can imagine. It's, in other words, it's a propaganda put out by PSYOPs. Democratic centers from states located near or along the 6,400-kilometer border are asking the U.S. Department of Defense to provide military radar in an effort to, to nab drug traffickers who lo- use low-flying aircraft to move their product from Canada into the U.S. That's their excuse about it. Now, they've been doing this forever, years and years and years. They fly mainly in B.C., mind you, and um, and this is this excuse about it. So I'll put this talk up tonight as well, and it's a, a PR piece, as I say, to try and diffuse the fact that they've integrated the border patrols, intelligence services are integrated, and the fact that U.S. and Canadian intelligence agencies can share all the citizenries of the whole of North America, all their data in this, from the same computers, just to let you know if you didn't know what was going on there. And another article, too, was from the Toronto Star, which generally is further left than Marx, but it says Canada kept the U.S. border talks under wraps. And that's true. They always give you a sun and a star. Have you noticed that? A sun and a star. You know, one is supposed to be right wing, one is supposed to be left wing, and uh, and uh, I think the star was bought over by the teachers' union some years ago. And Peter Worthington, who wrote for it for years, said this is the last time he'd be able to say any truth. <laughs> so anyway, 
Canada-U.S. border talks under wraps. It says, this is a document that came out. The federal government deliberately kept negotiations on a border deal with Washington secret while it planned ways to massage public opinion in favor of the pact, according to Confidential Communications Strategy. The 14-page public relations document recommended that talks keep a low public profile in the months leading up to the announcement by Prime Minister Stephen Harper and U.S. President Barack Obama. At the same time, the government would secretly engage stakeholders, which were interested parties such as the big business groups and others, in a way that respected the confidentiality of the announcement, meaning it must be totally secret. In advance, the government departments involved, including industry, foreign affairs, international trade and citizenship and immigration, were to align supportive stakeholders to speak positively about the announcement, according to the strategy prepared by Public Safety Minister Vic Toe's officials. So, in other words, they used their their PR teams and what to say to the public, if anything at all. On Friday, Harper and Obama signed off on a plan uh, that for the first time envisions throwing up a single security ring around the perimeter of Canada and the, and the U.S. That's the whole border of North America, folks. That's what it's about, not the border between Canada and the U.S. Back with more after this. Hi, folks. We're back, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Reading this article about the, the, the basically the integration of Canada and the U.S. that's ongoing year by year as they sign more integration schemes and, and documents and so on. Same formula as they use for the European Union, and I live through all of that nonsense as well, with the same nonsense coming from governments as went over to form closer ties, closer ties. I thought, well, how close can you get? It sounds rather sexually strange here. And, and of course, you end up with uh, integrated everything. That's what they're doing here. It says here, Harper and Obama signed off the plan for the first time in visions, throwing up a single security ring around the perimeter of Canada and the U.S. Now, they've been working on that for years because in 2006 they called it Fortress America. And they showed you the same media, of course, that help you uh, stay in the dark, that is. It showed you a big map of this big Canadian uh, fortress uh, ring, including America as well, all around the coastlines of Canada the U.S. One system. And they talk about integrating everything else at the same time. The wide-ranging blueprint calls for increased cooperation between the two countries' police, border, and intelligence agencies, an integrated Canada-U.S. exit entry system using high-tech ID techniques, and more sharing of information about Canadians with U.S. authorities. At least three major business organizations, you know, the only ones that count, like the Canadian Chamber of Commerce, the Canadian Council of Chief Executives, and the Canadian Trucking Alliance, quickly issued statements praising the framework agreement Friday. That's because they were in it on it for the last six months. The document was prepared last fall when the Canada-U.S. talks were being conducted without any public notice. That means even inform, informing us. Under communications challenges, uh, the document lists greater information sharing as part of the initiative. <laughs> Democracy is wonderfully. The safeguarding of privacy and sovereignty will be of concern for Canadians. Oh, oh the, uh, yeah. It also says Canadians may be too sanguine about security to see the need for the deal. The Canadian public may underestimate the security threat to Canada. Well, they under, it's a government, it seems to me. The confidential government document also contains a list of high-risk stakeholders, those in Canada who might raise strenuous objections to stepped-up Canadian-U.S. security arrangements. 
Officials surmised that Jennifer Stoddart, the Federal Privacy Commissioner, would be worried by plans to share more personal data on Canadians with U.S. authorities. Well, actually, you see, they always give you, in democracy, in democratic countries like Britain and so on, the Commonwealth, the Commonwealth, the British Commonwealth, which still exists in Canada, you always get a, a privacy commissioner who's paid by the taxpayer and he sits in Parliament, and uh, but he can't do anything. They, they tell you that. They always tell you what to be worried about, but then it says we have no authority to do anything about it. Anyway, it says, I'll raise concerns about information sharing and protecting private information. The document says of Stoddard, in response, the government should stress that we value and respect our separate constitutional legal frameworks that protect privacy as they give it all away. It's this beautiful doublespeak, isn't it? Civil liberties and human rights. It also recommended ongoing engagement by officials with Stoddard. Advocacy and civil rights groups such as the Council of Canadians, led by Maud Barlow, were also expected to react negatively because of privacy concerns. Maud Barlow, as I really think, is a front too, because I remember when they were putting up the negotiations in France for the World Trade Organization to do with investment in countries where they could literally come into a country and a few demanded that this factory that they were going to set up would would go along with your minimum wages and so on, and you didn't, then they could sue the country. And she allowed, she was allowed into it, the only person I think allowed into it that was from the public. And when she came back out, she said that she complained about the wages of people in China. <laughs> had nothing to do with Canada. Anyway, the strategy paper again recommended that Conservatives should stress Canada's protections for human rights and privacy. It also suggested that, well, suggesting means nothing. You can suggest all you want. I mean, their mind's made up and they've done it. It's all gone ahead. It also suggested that cabinet ministers be made available to the media to counteract Barlow's statements. And then it goes, refugee immigration organizations and so on uh, are all upset, yada, 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 yada. So it's it's the same thing as the European Union, uh, once again, only in its North America, with the same little comments getting made, I think they just copied the same script from Europe, in fact, and the same public relations. It worked there. It'll work anywhere, I suppose. And remember, Karl Marx talked about this in the 1800s, a unified Europe and a, and a unified Americas for trading and a far uh, far East Pacific Rim region. That's all pretty well been done, and we're going through the last parts of it now, just the tidying up parts, that, you know, the fine print and stuff like that. Another article to put up tonight is the weather isn't getting weirder, and that's from the Wall Street Journal. And they give you the facts as opposed to all the the hype and the hyperbole about, oh my God, it's chilly, and it's this and that and the other, and global warming and so on and so on that we're so fed up with. But um, uh, they, they, they go through the actual facts as opposed to the computer simulations. The simulations get what they want them to, to get to say, and uh, the facts don't measure up at all. And I'm, I'm sure we're so sick of hearing about the, the, the battle between the warmest and non-warmest because it's agenda to tax us all into death and to get us working for peanuts and all our cash that used to be used for consumerism, you see, in a post-consumer society, is to go to help the world state. So they're using it to, to, as a guise to tax us and set up the world state system. That's what it's about. And, of course, to get the, keep those who are rich, I mean, talking about really rich, uh, getting even more stinking rich. And that's what it's about, folks. Quite something, isn't it? And we're living through it. We're all living through this amazing transformation. 
And then, of course, there's the International Monetary Fund, Dominique Strauss-Kahn, who's always waltzing around, asking about new currencies. He's come out again uh, and demanding a new world currency will stabilize the system. Of course, they'll run it for you, too. And don't you love just world banks and stuff like that? They've been awfully good to you in the past. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. We we truly are living in Disneyland. I said it on 2001, uh, I think it was a night so that the big thing happened. I said that the hardest thing from now on will be holding on to your sanity. And it truly is when you look at the, this roller coaster of bizarreness as we're going through, not just in, in the money system and so on, but in everything, the way the media is using more uh, psychological tools and techniques to, to get into your heads and so on and create opinions about things, getting everyone fighting about all the wrong things, of course, and manipulating our thoughts. It's, it's a very, very big part of all of this because, see, neuroscience is well involved now with everything that happens in all the media. And since all media takes its cues from about two or three sources, they make sure that they all parrot the same stuff. And not only that, all the little opinions and so on, even the political correctness that the Tavistock Institute and the, the, the other groups that work with it um, um, put forth you know, to, to be parroted come through comedies and movies and soaps and everything else that you watch, even ads now. So you're being brainwashed one way or another and uh, in, in how to think, how to behave. You're being programmed without even knowing it. And uh, that's how people really are conditioned. You don't realize you personally are being conditioned. You go along with the crowd, and the crowd will always go along with each other. And that's how easily it is to, to control lots and lots of people. The big boys themselves said it was often harder to to indoctrinate an individual than it was a whole crowd of people because the crowd want to emulate uh, the others, especially those with leadership qualities, those that seemed to have authority or spoke with authority, they'd parrot what they said themselves. And that is so incredibly, incredibly true. Uh, Now, there's an article from the UK column that touches on this, and I've gone through some of these these organizations now that work with governments on psychological warfare on your old brain box. And uh, governments are really into it big time, always have been, mind you, but uh, they're really rolling ahead. So this is the UK column, uh, and you find out the ukcolumn.org, and um, it's issue 1, 2011, on page 11. It says, on 3rd of January 2011, following the UK column's lead article, exposing insider dealing between the cabinet office, that's the upper political bunch, that the split into cabinets, and political behavioral training charity Common Purpose. The independent newspaper revealed that David Cameron had also set up a cabinet office behavioral insight team, and I gave the, the government um, website on that too. I've got it in my archive section. Behavioral insight team formed in July last year. The secretive cell is tasked to dream up psychological tricks to alter our behavior and on a massive scale. The independent article warned how the public is to be reframed, they call it, or nudged, as uh, Sunstein talks about it, into politically acceptable social norms, new normals. 
starting with healthy eating. Now, healthy eating is your GMO food and vegetarianism, of course. Uh, voluntary work and tax gathering. You'd be trained, you have to be trained to help the environment through excessive taxing, and you, you be, you're going to be trained to feel good about doing it. While this may seem innocent to some people, these early soft targets are already being greatly expanded to include wider central government ideological and political agendas, including Cameron's socialist straitjacket of the big society, as he calls it, as a supposedly decentralised authority down to the local level, and then that's where big business in your area takes over and runs your councils, the new councils. Elite multi-millionaire socialist and Tory Chancellor George Osborne has already signed up behavioural economics, another form of mental reframing of individuals and groups specifically to achieve political economic objectives. Their theory and intent is that once mentally retrained, we will willingly rush to pay excessive taxes. And that's no kidding, folks. That comes out of neuroscience and is part of, uh, is part of it, behavioural economics. The danger is that we are to be trained to believe uh, what our politicians in public sector, the state, says is right and true. And we will not even be aware that we have been reframed to think so. Never mind the basics, politicians have been proved corrupt, uh, deviant liars. The Soviet Union would have paid in blood and gold for Cameron's political mind control initiative to lock people in a hive mind. Research by the UK Column now exposes that Cameron's liberal and conservative government coalition is collaborating behind closed doors with similar sinister units in the French government to develop further plans and techniques to change our natural behaviour. The investigation of little-known Rosie Donaghy, who is part of the behavioural insight team under Maud Gus O'Donnell and David Halpern, reveals that Donaghy is a key player and go-between in the mental attack on the British public. Aside from her position as senior advisor with the Cabinet Office Behavioural Insights Team, we really are really in the new Soviet, folks. If you don't know, we really are really deeply inside it. She's also a trustee of the Franco-British Council and is involved with the Party of European Socialists based in Brussels. Not surprisingly for her murky role, she even has two surnames being referred to, or two names being referred to as uh, Rosalind and her Franco-British guys. Uh, tracking Mrs. Donoghue's path led UK Column investigative reporter to discover that on 17th of November 2010, the Franco-British Council had hosted a meeting inside 10 Downing Street, that's, her, that's where the Prime Minister is, attended by a mix of the Cabinet behavioural uh, team and their French counterparts. Alongside Donaghy and others, a key attendee at the secretive meeting was top French mind-bender Professor Olivier Ullier, who works directly within French President Sarkozy's private office. The meeting was instigated by Rohan Silva of the Number 10 Policy Unit, following consultation with the Centre for Strategic Analysis of the Prime Minister of France, with the aims of bringing together experts on behaviour economics from France and the UK and to seek cross-fertilisation and generation of concrete proposals through open discussion and to look at the practical applications for the science of behavioural economics in France and the UK in light of the economic crisis. You're really in the, the world of Orwell. It's all here. It's all here. Readers should be aware that Rohan Silva is senior, senior policy advisor to David Cameron, and he also sits in advisory for, for progressive conservatism at Demos. Now, it's amazing, the progressive conservatives, their main think, one of their main think tanks is called Demos, 
Now look into the history of Demos, D-E-M-O-S. It was a top Marxist thinking think tank. Still is. For those who don't get it, that capitalism, communism, Capcom is the same thing, run by the same big bankers. There's no doubt uh, an inclination to laugh at the idea that we can be mentally reframed or reprogrammed into new belief systems or patterns of behavior, but clearly these people have not been assembled behind closed doors to play games. A simple click on Google will reveal thousands of NLP training organizations, leadership trainers, and consultancies. They all state that they can, do, they can and do change people's minds. They earn money from doing so. Meanwhile, uh, whilst NLP and other mental reframing techniques can be used for therapeutic purposes, any te- technique interfering with the human mind has risks. These, be, these may manifest as adverse personality changes, stress or depression, or even I'd say that the worst disease of all is political correctness. Stating that behavioral economics can be a powerful tool for improving lives when used with care, the number 10 meeting was clearly aware, aware of the risks to individuals and the wider public, but according to the notes of the meetings released, seemingly they failed to discuss or document those risks. The truth of the meeting at number 10 is deeply sinister. Modern behavioral manipulation techniques, which includes NLP, can and do achieve changes in people's behavior, particularly where the victim, individual or group, adult or child, is unaware that they are being targeted. It is perfectly feasible, as that the attendees of the number 10 are fully aware, to implement political agendas and doctrine by reprogramming people. Consider the Hitler Youth or the Communist Chinese onslaught on the minds of children and young people. These latest insidious techniques do not have that raw brutality, but unchecked the stealth effectiveness and viral spread presents a far greater danger. Behavioral reframing for healthy, voluntary work and taxes today and eugenics tomorrow, we have been warned. And that's one of the better articles I've read for a while, because it's absolutely true. And they are, and they do, constantly uh, bombard you with politically correct messages uh, about everything they tell you. And in fact, the, the Frankfurt School were the ones who dreamt up all the, the idea of political correctness and how they'd lambast anybody who would use a certain term, a word, a phrase, whatever. It didn't matter if the person was right about something. They were to all together in unison condemn that person with a, a nasty term to, 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 to paint them as dirty and bad and so on. And that's what really, that's how you're trained so, so easily along the roads into political correctness until you're all like dummies together, denying that the sky can be blue, where, of course, you find George uh, uh, Bertrand Russell and others said they could actually convince children that the sky, the blue sky was black and that would be, or an alien Eden snow would be black, and they'd all believe it. That can actually be done. Believe you me, it can be done. Now, there's a caller from Canada, John from Canada. Are you on the line, John? Yes. Yes, I'd like to uh, 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 specifically bring about an example where people are uh, controlled, as you've uh, uh, suggested, uh, by our media. Although I take it, uh, I do it a uh, slightly different angle. I like your take on it. And hopefully, I can get the words out in 30 or 60 seconds. Uh, a great example I like to show is uh, BGH, bovine growth hormone, in Canada. We had our Health Health Food Canada Safety Group, eight scientists come together to speak in Ottawa, and they said, listen, we can't explain why Americans can't freely discourse amongst themselves the scientific poison that they put into their milk, but we recommend as scientists who measure these things to ban it 
from being brought across the border. Uh, it screws up our endocrine system. It's a synthetic hormone. They do it for profit, but it poisons their children. Here's the science. Here's what this body uh, that serves the Canadian interest thinks on this issue. So in Canada, we banned it. We said this is poison. We try to communicate to Americans. Now, on your side, you have... Um, FoxBGHSuit.com will cover this issue. And what they do is Fox News lies to the suckers. They say, hey, it's perfectly fine. There's nothing hazardous in, in drinking your milk. Drink, drinking your milk, drink up little child victim. And uh, there was a suit brought against, and this suit won. But still, Fox News will still lie to the suckers. Now, people will say, well, you can't fix it because everything the government does is bad. Every, every time you try to fight for a just cause in America, you're just serving the globalists. Don't even try. And that's part of, I think, how we get undermined is that we understand that, like you say, there's lots of corruption here. The public is not being represented equitably by the American government. These stooges who, who as you probably were, got into government now and have decided to take every third week off. But it's just important to understand that science is not prevailing as it pertains to Monsanto because scientists in the, in the field of genetics, for example, they talk about horizontal gene transfer where... If you're an actual scientist and understand the genetics, putting a uh, using the cauliflower mosaic virus to inject a herbicide or an insecticide into the into the food or a resistant making the food resistant to herbicides and insecticides so they can be just covered in poisons to increase yields apparently for the farmer does poison the American eater and the Canadians too. But we don't, we understand well enough uh, those in the science community that it actually doesn't make sense. We understand it's a, a multidimensional construct, and when you use the cauliflower mosaic virus, because it's multidimensional, Monsanto doesn't want to admit this because they hold the patent, and if they did, their patents would be void, uh, you run the risk of the, of the signature of the virus being present in the potato, and that's exactly what we had in 2000, where they made a huge crop of potatoes that dissolved the organs of, uh, uh, of mammals, and they sold it in Taco Bell. Now, we don't know what the total death count is, but we know that they don't rely on science, and yet the FDA, as you're probably well aware, right, connected directly through Monsanto, so it's all perfectly fine. And I believe those who champion justice, if they have science and, and the facts on their side, can win a consensus. Consensus doesn't always have to be you're serving the mastermind global elites who uh, know so much better than you, and you just don't... you, you got to understand something. you got to understand something. We've never had in Canada since World War II a, a, a true farming industry, a government-run farming industry. And number one, uh, they, they took out uh, so much of the milk and, and the qualities of the milk, when, with the, even with the pasteurization an awful long time. And then they homogenized it too, which is far worse than natural milk, far, far worse, because the stuff literally will clog your arteries because every molecule is identically the same size, whereas before they're all different ones, doesn't happen the same way. And then, then the governments, of course, came out with, with the, the handouts to farmers. Or oh, if you come, if you, special tax rebates, if you sign on a little plans here and there. And before you know it, they're, they're all beholding to government agencies and officials to now regulate their farms for them. That happened since World War II. Why was that? It was because even before they set up the United Nations, they had the League of Nations, and the League of Nations had a Department of Agriculture, as does the United Nations, and they said that farming was too important to be left to farmers. And that the future world they were bringing in, not just in farming, would be run by corporations, not private individuals or families. The families had to go, and they've been putting them out ever, ever since. Now, 
there's very little you can believe in what they're telling you, but Canada's one of the main characters for GMO in all areas, even in the fish. And it's the government who started it all off and kicked it off and ran it. There's, there's videos on YouTube from 20 years or 15 years ago where every fish going through this little stream was getting picked up, put against this little thing that pops in a new gene into their system attached to the E. coli, of course, that helps to get deep inside the flesh of the fish. And when the cells of the fish die off, this new gene will take over in its own kind and reproduce its own kind. So literally the whole fish is being geoengineered and, or re-engineered, and then they put it back in the water. Thousands upon thousands of them per week were, were done that way. Canada is the world's leader in viral and bacterial war- warfare, and we have been since the beginning of World War II. You know, Canadians are the most passive people who swallow the propaganda that I've ever met in my entire life. I've been across the whole planet. And they're, they're, they're the most easily conned because they truly are given this yokel country background comedy routine of little old Canada from the 1920s that never really existed. And, and they really do believe that the CBC and Peter Mansbridge, the most famous uh, person for the news, the most trusted man in Canada, is there to tell you the darn truth. doesn't exist that way. So it's no different at all from the U.S. It's just better at hiding its corruption than the U.S. We're far better at it because we learned from Britain how to hide corruption. And we do it almost perfectly. And even when we don't tell the public, oh, we're merging you, they told the British a little bit more. There's a bit more flap about it. And there was more reaction from the public who were inquiring every year with the, the deeper integration signatories that were put on it. There's nothing happening in Canada at all. It's just astonishing how they have been trained, just like psycho, um, psychological techniques have used them. They are trained into watching sports, being awfully politically correct, they don't want to offend anybody, even when they should be offending somebody, even on a personal basis. They won't do it. They've been trained in a Pavlovian style to sit back and do nothing except watch dumb, boring movies churned out by your tax money by CBC that nobody watches. And that's the facts of Canada. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix and we're still talking to John. And I'd like to add too, before I, I get back to him, uh, that Canada, and this was all over the mainstream uh, for about one day I think it was, that Canada, was a, we were the testing ground for GMO crops and corn and different things for 10 years because the government had made a secret deal with Monsanto and others, a secret deal to use us as guinea pigs. And these are the same, and that's when, of course, the cancers and all the stomach problems shot up in Canada. They knew that at the federal level because they have, as a socialist country, they have everybody's data from all the doctors' offices and hospitals flooding in daily in real time, and they know exactly what they're doing. And it was only because it broke out in Britain uh, with government, with demonstrations against Blair trying to put it through onto the British public that it, it emerged that, well, Canada's okay. They've been on it for 10 years. We didn't know. No one had told us. And then, of course, the government had to come forward with their damage control and tell us it was quite safe and so on. But then, about, about five years later, I went to one of the biggest 
uh, massive. It was like a Walmart of, of fruit and vegetables. Incredible place. Azeros, they call it. You almost need skate, you know, skates to skate around it. And I asked the manager, I says, where's the non-GMO foods? And uh, he says, to be honest, I don't know. He says, no one's ever asked that before. And he was telling the truth. That's Canadians. They didn't care. No one had asked them in five years except me. Because I kind of like to know what I'm eating. <laughs> anyway, is John still there? Are you still there, John? Yes, Alan. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know what? In some respects, it's, it's far worse than what you've articulated. Uh, here's a couple of examples. Uh, our government has openly subsidized Monsanto to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars for their uh, Frankenstein foods. They just gave over half a million acres uh, in Canada to Monsanto for testing even more advanced strains of potatoes. Yeah, okay, so, uh, and, and, and uh, if I could just get like 30 seconds here. Uh, health, food, Canada safety. I call them up. I say, listen, here, here's the science on... Aspartame, what are you guys going to do? Uh, or what's your position on it? Firstly, the head scientist, oh, it's, it's deadly poison, John. I wouldn't touch it at all. Save your children. Well, what are you going to do? Are you going to issue a, a similar statement as they did with B, BGH and, and get it out of our, our, our systems? He goes, no, if I do that, I will be fired. Uh, and because we will lose in a lawsuit that will be orchestrated by the World Health Organization, or no, uh, the World Trade Organization. Mm-hmm. So this right. is the thing. And in, in Canada, we have no national ability to communicate. Uh, CBC takes your name and your phone number, and they threaten you. They go, yeah, what did you want to talk about over the phone? Get, what's your last name? Where do you mm-hmm. live? We'll call, and then they say, what's your question? I will write it down, and the producer will review your question, and if we decide that you uh, are garnered the respect that a Canadian, uh, we will decide whether you're, uh, you have the respect uh, garnered, we'll call you back. And they threaten you. So you, And so if I, I've been on there once saying, look, if we have no evidence to substantiate who's good or evil here mm-hmm. on 9-11, the bad guys are for sure escaping. So I can never, ever talk to them again because it makes no. perfect sense, as does science. Yuri Besmanov Besmanov was a Soviet spy who defected, and of course his his videos are up on YouTube, he defected in the 80s, and um, he went to work for the CBC Canada, and he said he met more ardent Marxist communists there than he did in the Soviet Union, and it hasn't changed to this day. They, They will not tolerate any other opinion than the one they're told to put forth, you're quite right. Corporatists. They want to sell yeah. us out. That's no right. What. That's right. But thanks for calling. And uh, Alex from BC, maybe get you out next Monday if you call in. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada is good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you. <laughs>